Die Erlaubnis, das Erlaubnis, das Erlaubnis. Die Erlaubnis. Die Erlaubnis. Ist nicht bei NIS immer so, oder? Nee, nee, genau das Thema hatten wir bei euch ja, genau, am, das am Esstisch. Ergebnis. Das ja, Ergebnis, stimmt. die Erlaubnis. Stimmt. Cool, fangen wir dann an, oder? <lacht> <lacht> so. Okay. Did you get that? I'm so also, ich verstehe nur Bahnhof. You only understand train station? It's all Greek to me. Understanding train station. Living between cultures with Josh and Faye. Welcome back to a new episode of Understanding Train Station. I'm Feli. Welcome back, everyone, and I'm Josh. And we're back in our remote settings, unfortunately, even though both of our backgrounds look different right now. In case you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening, hopefully you won't hear a difference. But if you're watching, you can tell that I just have a bunch of clothes behind me because <laughs> I currently have renovations going on in our house. And um, basically, I was I was using two closets before, which was already like a luxury thing, but they were like normal-sized American closets. And both of those were in the rooms that were um, combining into one big bedroom. So both of those closets had to be emptied out. So now all mm. my clothes are chilling up here with me in my office. Um, so yeah, that's why that's all here. Now I understand. <laughs> I was. It's funny because... Before we just started recording, you said that you don't have a Schrank anymore, and mm -hmm. now it makes more sense. I was like, why Why are you lo losing a Schrank if you have renovations going on? But if they're built-in closets like it's normal in the U.S., now it makes sense. Yeah. So, But yeah, my background is also a little different. As you know, Feli, I had COVID. Woohoo. Um, so, I mean, it finally got you because yeah. you got away from it for over two years, and now it finally got you. It caught up with me. Um, but yeah, so while I was in quarantine, I started to rearrange my room some and came up with some ideas. So, who knows, maybe over the next couple weeks, the next times we, next couple times we record, my background will continue to change now that I have some projects uh, in place, or at mm -hmm. least in my mind. But, but yeah, that's, uh, yeah, COVID wasn't fun. Um, I was, I was pretty sick. In the first couple of days, but then afterwards, um, I just watched a lot of Netflix and was able to get stuff done around my room. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, and I got lucky too that the quarantine time in Germany had been reduced some, so I was didn't have to stay for a full what whatever it used to be like ten days or whatever. Um, right. But yeah. Okay, that's good. Because for me, when I had it in January, it lasted for two whole weeks that I was actually sick, that I actually had symptoms. Oh, but wow. I know a lot of people who've gotten it recently. So in, in Germany, mm -hmm. um, I don't even think I know anyone in the US, but in Germany, I feel like every other person there has gotten it recently, which is not great, but I'm glad that you're feeling better now. And um, yeah, I guess we're going to get used to your new changing background now. <laughs> a few days ago, there was a kind of big event happening in Europe um, that a lot of Europeans usually follow, a lot of Germans follow. And I didn't like fully watch it because of the time difference and everything. But I tuned in a little bit later and it was the Eurovision Song Contest. And yes. that's a topic that we've kind of had on our list for a while because mm -hmm. it's such a big thing in Europe and it's this like very specific event that's kind of hard to describe to people who haven't watched it and Europeans get so involved in it uh, that it's like it's crazy for Americans to even hear about it sometimes because a lot of Americans have never heard of it um, even though I feel like recently I think more and more Americans have heard of it now especially because of the Will Ferrell movie that uh, came out which was kind of a spoof on Eurovision have you seen it oh no mm -mm. I haven't seen it myself which but one I is it It's called Eurovision, I believe. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have heard of that. Yeah, so it's it's kind of like a spoof. I know Will Ferrell is married yeah. to a Swedish uh, woman, so mm -hmm. it makes sense that he would be aware of then uh, Eurovision in and of itself. So it's kind of 
it makes sense that he would come up with this movie or I don't even know if he's the one who came up with it, but that he would be a part of it. Um, right. So I think probably through that movie, a lot of Americans have at least become familiar with the concept of the Eurovision Song Contest. Um, and yeah, so you kind of just got to see some of it. But here, since I was in Germany, my Vigay and some friends, my shared apartment, um, we watched it together and it was my first time watching it. So it was kind of yeah. a fun experience. Um, and yeah, I, don't, I feel like we don't have something too similar to that in the U.S. Um, what's interesting, and I don't know if we want to jump straight in, into kind of the details of it, um, but they've recently tried this year to start something similar in the U.S. called the American Song Contest. Um, I haven't followed it that closely, but from what I have heard, it's been kind of a flop. I've heard of it. A lot of people ask me if, because I posted about it on my Instagram story, just like when I watched the results and everything. Um, and then some of my followers were like, hey, have you followed the American Song Contest? And I hadn't followed it because I don't really watch American TV at all, to be honest. Yeah. Like reality shows, those kinds of things aren't really my my cup of tea. And um, I looked into it, though, and it seems like it was a very different kind of show. Though It, it looks like it was more of a regular contest like competition show where okay. it went on over several weeks from what mm-hmm. what i saw is that do you know i, I actually don't know the specifics okay. of it but what was surprising for me and i guess it makes sense with when it comes to eurovision um is that it really is actually a pretty long drawn out process so yeah m- technically yeah maybe taking a step back for the non-europeans who are listening uh, we should explain what eurovision really is Um, And generally, it's a Europe-wide plus Australia um, song contest where each country submits an act or a song um, that then gets narrowed down to one. I I think the end is three days, like, but there's the finale Mm -hmm. in the end. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think there are 25 countries or songs that qualify for the finale. Um, I think I'm not sure. I think the number changes. How okay. many are there in the end? But around 25. I, I, think, I know yeah. that this time it was 25. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it was an effort and probably should have done a little bit more research before trying to explain too much of it. But an effort to bring kind of Europe together in a fun and playful way. Um, but that could just be gefährliches Halbwissen. But it's, it's a fun little thing where... Especially for me, it was cool because I watched it with people from all over Europe um, and Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, so everyone was kind of rooting for their home country's song. Um, and it's just kind of a fun, not pointless, but very lighthearted competition, I would say. I don't know. Was it something that you, you used to watch on a regular basis, Feli, when you still lived here? Oh, yeah, for sure. Back in the day when I was younger, especially, we would always watch it. And picking the German act was always a big thing in Germany as well, because like every country has their own process of how they pick which uh, band or artist and which song gets to even compete for the country. And in Germany, it's kind of changed kind of a lot. Um, We have a history of making last place and we did make the last place this time again too oops that was my microphone so there was a time there when like we tried a different concept with Stefan Raab who's this really big entertainer in Germany He's from TV Total right mm-hmm. and um, he had actually one act was in I want to say 2004 or something like that with Mats Mutzke he did a really good job and then in 2010 um, when Stefan Raab kind of took over the, the casting process uh, we actually won 
for the first oh, time really? in forever. Yeah, I think the last time we had one before that was like in the 70s or something like that. This thing has been around forever. I don't know. Maybe we should look up real quick when it started. So it's actually been around since uh, 1956. I just looked it up. Um, so you can go back and like watch all the old performances and like winners like ABBA, for example, mm-hmm. won, won it one year. Um, I think Celine Dion um, was in it. Like all those like Celine Dion people. was in it. I think so. I would be su- I would be surprised because she's Canadian. Well, yeah, she's Canadian. I just looked it up though, but she um, she did win for Switzerland in in 1988. Um, so yeah, it's just like there is a lot of history there of the Euro- Eurovision Song Contest, um, and nowadays it's kind of. I don't even know how to explain it. <laughs> it's um, like a cultural. Th- I don't know. It's just like a cultural phenomenon. Yeah, there is like a certain Eurovision Song Contest type of performance. Like it's yeah. its own. It's not its own genre because like you can compete there with all kinds of musical genres. You can. There's like been hard rock bands that have won and like very musical or like classical singers and just like regular pop um some of them do like a you know dance show some of them do like a very calm just yeah. like one person kind of thing but there is a certain type of like that Europeans when you say it's like a very Eurovision like song you kind of yeah. know what you mean by that it's like a very um performative song usually kind of dramatic in I was going to say dramatic cases. a little exaggerated a lot, of, a lot of anthems also have one in the past like and by anthems I mean kind of like very um, corny mm-hmm. um, full of feeling like these songs that go up a a full note towards the end of the song when they repeat the chorus for the last time they have the transition at the end to make it even more dramatic <laughs> kind of like that Yeah. Um, even though I feel like this year I didn't see a whole lot of that I didn't see all the performances, though. Granted, I only watched the ones that were, like, among the top five. Because, yeah. uh, as I said, I didn't watch the whole thing. Um, but once I set, I saw which countries were in the lead, I had to look it up on YouTube and watch their performances. And nowadays, it's also a little bit different because some of the people have been social media stars before they compete there. Mm-hmm. Um, in Germany, we for a long time, we had this rule where it wasn't allowed to send in a song that had been released on the radio or like that had been released Hmm. before um, the contest was taking place. So basically, I think we were putting ourselves in a disadvantage with that because I want to say that wasn't an international rule. I think that was just Germany-wide rule. Mm -hmm. So the song had to be new. And then at some point we got rid of that and we're like, well, it doesn't matter if the song has already been big, which that that is actually better if you already know that the song is performing well in the normal real market then it might perform well in the competition itself, even though, uh, as I said, we usually make like last or second to last place. What was, what was surprising to me, though, um, it's been it's interesting hearing the German perspective from you because I haven't really talked with many Germans about Eurovision per se. Yeah. Um, but my one roommate, the Italian one, is very, very into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was explaining to me that there are certain countries, Germany included, that finance a large majority of the contest. Yeah. So they automatically make it to the final Um, Yeah. As opposed to other countries which don't that have to compete a little further. So it makes sense that sometimes Germany songs may not be the best because they get to be in the final right away. But what's also interesting is with Britain, the UK is also one of those uh, countries that make it all the way into the end. And this year they actually usually. Yeah. (laughs) And this year they um, they performed really well and yeah. when when they were distributing the points which i think we'll probably talk about how dramatic they make all of that mm-hmm. um they were chanting because they got a few points 
we got points. We got points. <laughs> like that was. But well, of... they actually made second place this time because yeah, yeah, they yeah. were really. Re- they almost won. Uh, well, the winner was for those of you who didn't follow it, Ukraine, which everyone predicted in the beginning. Like their uh, performance was really, really good, mm-hmm. um, but it was also just like a sign of uh, solidarity, which is a big thing throughout Eurovision. It has always been a big thing. Is just like. It's very political and yeah. you can always kind of tell which countries get along with each other the best. And those countries often, even if like the one country doesn't get any other points from any other country, they will get like 12 points, which is the highest points we'll get to in a second from like this one country that's like a, a close friend ally, of theirs. Yeah. So, yeah, an ally. And then you can like, you're like, oh, okay, it's really not about the song. It's really kind of more about like friendships. Of course, in some cases, like, Countries that are close to each other also share the culture and maybe yeah. the language and the musical taste. But, yeah, it's it's not really just about the song and the way that they give the points also. Um, that was something that was kind of discussed a lot this time in the German media afterwards was that we didn't actually make last place in any of the countries that voted. But because the system doesn't give any points to the people that are like in the middle or end part of the ranking in that one country Germany ended up with zero points even though I guess like none of the judges from around the world or from around uh, Europe actually voted Germany last but we still ended up last because of yeah. the, how the point system works well it, the is point not, system like, is so to, complicated and I don't yeah. understand it still it is interesting because there's the judges that get to give points and then there's also the population that's really new though um so for me growing up it would only be the population the ah, judges okay. thing or at least at least i'm not quite sure see i didn't do my research but at least they didn't make the judges points public in the show like that mm-hmm. was never mm-hmm. a thing that's been a pretty recent thing of the last few years now i'm not quite sure if the judge points were just automatically counted towards that previously or if those just didn't exist at all. Okay. Which, like, that that may have actually been a thing, that those didn't exist at all and it was only the population votes. Um, but, yeah, today, as you said, there's judges and the population votes from all the countries. So, like, all the countries that participate also get to vote, but they don't get to vote for their own country. And the way that the points are kind of distributed, as I just said, is like they get to distribute one to 12 points. And then it's always like and the 12 points from Germany go to this and this country and the 10 points go to this and this country. Um, So that's kind of how it works. And they actually do like live calls with like the hosts in all of these different countries in Germany. It's usually a big Eurovision Song Contest watch event like public viewing event basically in Hamburg um, mm-hmm. it's been hosted by Barbara Schöneberger for the last few years I think I don't even remember who hosted it before and then basically that's where the German um, TV broadcasting will start it'll start in Hamburg and it'll kind of give the, the German perspective on the event and then they'll go over to the actual event and then when the points are distributed they will do the live call with Barbara Schöneberger in our mm-hmm. case and then she will tell the hosts in the host country this time it was Italy. Yeah, um, where the German points are going to this time. But yeah, yeah, kind of going back to what you were saying with like the the political alliances, if you will, or just cultural alliances. Like I'm pretty sure that Ser- or, uh, Croatia gave all of their points to Serbia, um, yeah. and like Sweden and Norway normally give each other points just because they're very culturally aligned. Yeah. So it's it's, it's just interesting to watch because I feel like we don't have something like that in the U.S. Um, that's comparable 
Um, right. so, so it was really fun for me to just kind of experience the phenomenon of, of Eurovision and what it is. But they make it so dramatic when they're they're distributing the points. Like you said, they go through the individual countries so, and it takes forever. Like yeah. <laughs> the, the, the point distribution takes like a half hour. Yeah. Um, and then they, they go through all of the countries and the judges' points that are distributed and they have like a leaderboard and then they go through the popular vote and then the leaderboard mm-hmm. completely changes based off mm-hmm. of how... Um, how the people voted um so it's a very very um how would you say yeah it's very dramatic in the way that it's all set up 100 percent. and what you said about it being a phenomenon that's the perfect way to describe it because it's kind of it's really hard to describe it to people who haven't followed it like who haven't grown up with it and who haven't watched it ever at least now you've you've seen it once so you kind of get an idea for the whole thing um one thing i think that's important to say is that all these performances since it's just like every country gets one song they're just perfected to perfection they're just like every single second is planned through there's usually major light shows or like Mm -hmm. um stuff going on on the floor like yeah yeah costume changes dancers like all kinds of things i feel like there's been different trends throughout the years there's been some years where there's just been a lot of bands where like actual musicians would be on the stage and then this year uh at least the performances i watched i don't think i saw a single instrument or except for that flute that the ukrainian guy well, has <laughs> so this is what i was gonna say and this is what blew my mind when uh my roommate savi told me this the music like the only thing that is live is the singing yeah, nowadays. The, yeah, uh, yeah it, it probably wasn't always like this, but now like none of the instruments are actually played mm-hmm. live. So it's really funny. I think it was, I think it was the German performance where he was going from different from instrument to instrument, right? And like playing some, and then he would just stop, and the music would keep playing. Well, he had like a loop station. That was yeah, kind of the idea it, behind it. Exactly. I think. You could understand the idea behind it, but it was obvious like like he wasn't actually playing the instrument, and it was true with every performance. Um, yeah. But it's just it's it's that's what I mean by being like, or I think probably what you meant too with it being like cheesy and over the top. Like, it's just very dramatic. I'm glad I've I've been able to experience it now. Yeah. No, I'm glad you watched it finally too, because the last, well, actually no, I think last year it took place, but for some reason I totally missed it last year. I kind of thought that it didn't even take place mm-hmm. last year, and then the year before it didn't take place because of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, but. No, I just felt like there's been different trends throughout the years where like sometimes it's like all going towards like just one person on stage. Maybe it's also like what won the previous year. I think a lot of other countries will try to copy the next year Mm -hmm. because sometimes it's these like really calm songs, like just a person with a guitar that will win. And then the next year it'll be this major show of like three people singing together or like however many people singing together like it was this time for Ukraine and dancing and costume changes and all this stuff and then sometimes it'll be a band so yeah it's I mean and even even though the band maybe doesn't play live they'll still be like it'll be a band who is the artist who like performs as a band and has their instrument instruments on stage it's it changes a whole lot but um, back in the day I definitely know that the instruments had to be live as well Mm. But I don't know why they changed it. I'm sure you can find that out if you do some research. I would assume maybe it was just like too complicated to do a sound check for every single instrument for all these different performances. Because then in the end, they are at least singing live. So like Mm -hmm. the performances are live. They're not like... It's not uh, playback in the sense of... Yeah. 
Yeah, it's not like they're performing it throughout the day and then they're cutting it together for the show at night. No, they're actually all performing that one night. Mm -hmm. And that's what I meant earlier, too, with um, American Song Contest being the spread out show like a regular mm -hmm. competition mm -hmm. show. You're definitely right that the Eurovision Song Contest also has different stages. And this might be a pretty German view because, as you said, we don't really have to pre-qualify. Mm -hmm. So we really just go into the finals. And But for, to me, like the real... When I say Eurovision Song Contest, I think of that one night, which yeah. is always a Saturday night, and it's a very long show, but it takes place in one, in, in one piece. Yeah. Um, and so, from what I understand, the American Song Contest was a little bit different, just mm -hmm. like more mm -hmm. like your regular competition show. Um, but as I said, I didn't watch it, but you said it didn't perform so well. That's I just what I've heard. I haven't really, yeah. like I said, I haven't followed it that much. But um, I was surprised to see that uh, Stephen Colbert was talking about Eurovision um, in a bit that he did on his show. Do you, you know Stephen Colbert, right? Uh uh Ah, okay. He's like is. a late. He's a late night late night host in the U.S. Okay. Um, you probably would is? recognize him. Okay. Um, he has glasses. He's pro I think he's probably in his fifties. Yeah, I've definitely seen him. Yeah. Uh, which is which is his show? The Late Show. Okay. Yeah. You can't even keep up with all of these different late night shows that all, the Late Late Show, the yeah. Tonight Show, or it's the crazy. Today Show. There's <laughs> I don't so even many know. of them. <laughs> but I was surprised to see that Stephen Colbert talked about Eurovision on his show, and he had like the mm -hmm. flute that they had for um, for Ukraine. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was funny. Um, but th that's not something that I had seen in American culture really until, like I said, uh, the Will Ferrell movie came out. Yeah, maybe that's really what changed it. And now mm. with the American Song Contest, I think people just know that it was based off the European uh, Eurovision Song Contest, which that's also a thing. I often, like, when I speak about it with Americans, I'm always like, European Song Contest. I'm like, no, wait, Eurovision Song Contest. Yeah. But in German, I usually just say ESC or Grand Prix, like the French uh, term, yeah. because it used to be, I don't know if that's still an alternative name for it, if, we're, if they changed the name, but it used to be called um, Grand Prix... De la chanson, I think. Ah, okay. So, like, basically just competition of songs, um, yeah. but in French. <laughs> so, um, yeah, when I grew up, we would always just refer to it as Grand Prix. Ah, okay. I was actually surprised when you messaged me about it being ESC, because I actually hadn't seen that abbreviation before. Oh, okay. So it took me a second. I was like, ah, okay, now I know what she's talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like at least... Me and my in mm -hmm. social circle in Germany, we don't refer to it as like Eurovision. We just say ESC or Grand Prix. Yeah, I think ESC is probably like a normal thing. But I just, with the people, especially with me being around a lot of non-Germans, I think most people that I'm around refer to it as Eurovision. But I'm sure ESC yeah. is also a pretty common abbreviation. And yeah. I feel like there are people, there are Eurovision people and then there are non-Eurovision people. I feel like it can be oh, very yeah. de de divisive as well. Yeah, it's definitely not that everyone in Germany watches it. There's a lot of people who think it's complete bullshit and yeah. like too political and they don't like the kind of songs that win there and, you know, all that, those kinds of things. Um, but then there's people who like really, really, really love it. And then there's people like me who like, I like it. I'll, I'll watch it. I want to see like what wins if I agree with that. I want to see the kind of level of musical talent that comes from the different countries and you know the style of the songs um, mm -hmm. but I'm not gonna like get all worked up on it if we lose because yeah as I said yeah. we're, we're used to losing <laughs> <laughs> so before we wrap up this topic I want to know Feli of the performances you've seen what was your favorite um, from this year I mean I definitely really liked the UK one I really also liked really? Ukraine 
Uh-huh. Ah, okay. So the UK one, that's also what I meant by TikTok star. He's a big TikTok mm-hmm. star, and I've been following yeah. him on TikTok okay. for a while. Um, he's just a really crazy good singer. Um, and, like, he doesn't look like it when you first see him, yeah. especially on TikTok. He just, like, looks kind of bummy, and then he <laughs> starts singing, and he sounds like a woman almost. Um, I liked Ukraine a lot, too. Mm-hmm. What else did I... Oh, I liked Greece. Um I wasn't a, the biggest fan of the Spanish and the Swedish uh, performance. It's so crazy because those are my two favorites, Spain Mm-mm. and Sweden. <laughs> we have very different tastes than I suppose. Yeah. But I guess that's enough to that uh, about that topic. Um, we With this episode, we kind of wanted to talk about two different uh, topics that are completely right. unrelated. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the first one being about Eurovision. And the yeah, just because one, it just took place and we kind of exactly. have to talk about it. Yeah, I feel like we're, it's mandatory to at least acknowledge the existence of Eurovision given that it just took place. Exactly. And the second topic that we wanted to talk to you guys about today is restaurants. We've talked about restaurants in the past, just kind of in, in passing, but never dedicated yeah. a true section to restaurants in the U.S., restaurants in Germany, what the experience is like, what the differences are, um, and... We just thought it would make sense to talk to you guys a little bit about that, especially in my case, because I just had a really frustrating experience at a restaurant recently. So it was on top on the top of my mind that I wanted to share with you guys. But when going to a restaurant, something that can be kind of difficult sometimes when you especially are in Germany or in a, a country where you don't speak the language is finding a menu that that is in a language that you can understand and communicating with a with the servers. It can all be a little difficult. So that's why it's so important before you go to a country to maybe try to learn some of the language before arriving and going through some of those experiences. And one way you can do that is with Lingoda, and they're doing another Lingoda sprint right now, which is a very intensive language challenge that will get you to the next level within just two months. And you can even get 50% or 100% off your money back if you follow through with the entire challenge. And of course, we have a discount code for you guys as well. Stay tuned till the end. First, we want to tell you a little bit more about Lingoda. If you've listened to our podcast for a while, you you already know that they're an online language school that connects students all across the world. Um, they have native level teachers that teach their language in live classes on Zoom. So it's super flexible. They offer classes 24-7 and they have classes for English, business English, if you specifically want to get more into like the business type of vocabulary and phrases. They also have Spanish, French, and of course, German. I think one thing that I've been surprised with is when you really dedicate a certain amount of time to learning and really focusing for a a specific period, you'll really be surprised with how much you can learn um, in such a short amount of time. And Lingoda, especially with these sprint options that they have, is perfect for that. So there are two versions of the sprint that you can do. There's the super sprint challenge, which you take 30 lessons per month for two months, so 60 lessons in total, and you can get 100% cash back for attending all of the lessons and meeting all of their requirements. The other version of that is the sprint challenge, which is when you take 15 lessons per month, so a total of 30 lessons, and you can get 50% cash back for attending all of the lessons and meeting the requirements associated with the challenge. Yeah, what you said is definitely true because if you just stick with it for a while, like very intensely, you don't have to pick up on it every single time. If you do like one lesson a month or something like that, or let's say one every two weeks, every time that you get back into the language, then you kind of have to do a whole like reminder thing of your brain, Mm -hmm. like, oh, wait, 
this was this word. That's how you say that. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's the pronunciation for this. But if you stick with it every single day or every other day, like for the sprint challenge, you don't have to get your brain into that reminder mode. You can just continue from there on. And like once you're in the learning mode of the language, it'll just get, go like much quicker. I think all of us know that maybe from studying like so, or writing a paper or something like that. Like once you're really in it, it'll go much quicker. Exactly. I always say in I always go back to physics and object in motion mm -hmm. will stay in motion. So once you get started with it, really stick with it. And I yeah. think you'll be surprised with what you can learn. Yeah. Some of the great things that Lingoda does is that they make it really easy for you to stick with it. All you need is an internet connection in 60 minutes. And I think most of us have that nowadays in our lives right. and can plan for that. You can design your own course and figure out what classes you want to take, what levels, how far you want to challenge yourself. And like Faley mentioned earlier, they're all native level teachers. So you're really getting quality education from them as well. You can also get um, certificates that are going to be helpful for your career or education or whatever you might need a certificate for in the future. Um, and you can choose between one-on-one -on -one classes or group classes, but the group classes are also small enough. It's only up to five students per class that the teacher can really take the time and help you individually answer your questions and get you to practice your speaking skills a little bit. So that's something that I know that they do. Um, if you're in the class, you are going to speak the language during that class. You're not going to be able to hide in that mm -hmm. last row in the classroom and just be quiet, um, which might feel uncomfortable at times, but you'll be in a safe space behind your screen in your bedroom or living room or wh wherever you want to be. And it's really going to help you, believe me. Like that's the number one rule about learning language is you have to just start speaking it, even if you suck at it, which all of us suck at it in the beginning. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. So we totally encourage you guys to make sure that you go check out Lingoda. It's a great program. And I know for myself, I learned a lot through the French experience that I did mm -hmm. with them. Um, and I'm still able to use it every day, even though I didn't become fluent yet. Uh, it's it, I've learned so much from them. Yeah, and with our code UTSMAY, so U-T-S-M-A-Y, you can even get an additional discount of 20 euros, which equals 25 US dollars off your deposit that you're going to have to place when you first sign up. So check out the link in the description box below or in the show notes and use our code UTSMAY and have fun with your language lessons on Lingoda. So as I was saying, recently I had an experience um, that was very frustrating for me as an American. Even though I've lived in Germany for more than a year now, a year and a half, however you want to say, I'm, I'm very well acquainted with the German dining experience. Uh, but because it is so different than in the U.S., sometimes I can still get really frustrated. Um, and we were at brunch and... We had just finished eating. First of all, when we sat down, it took forever for a server to come over and give us menus so we could even figure out what we wanted to eat. Then it took forever for her to come back and take our order. Then they brought our food and didn't give us the cutlery that we needed to be able to eat. So then we had to get up and go get the cutlery ourselves from, uh, from the servers. Then after we were done, we wanted a coffee. And then we had to ask for the menu and it took forever for them to bring us the menu. And then like, it took another 15 minutes for her to come back to take our order. And at that point, we had said, OK, enough is enough. We have other other stuff to do today. We're not going to have coffee here. So then in the end, we left after, right away and said that we wanted to pay. So that was, for me, very, very frustrating. Yeah. Given my background with the American dining experience, which I'm not saying that is always like that in Germany. Um but I would say there's more of a tendency to have those experiences here in Germany than there is in the U.S. 
And we al- have mentioned that kind of a lot. And I just want to get in there because I already, I already see the people typing their comments because yeah. they have been doing that in the past, mainly at me. So I want to, I want you all to notice that this was Josh complaining <laughs> this time because I think in the past it's mostly been just me, like yeah. kind of bashing the German customer service. Um, but yeah, it is. You're right. Like this is an experience that does happen kind of a lot in Germany and not so much in the U.S. And it's kind of what we wanted to talk about today. But um, I think just like a little um, disclaimer, yes, we are going to complain a little bit about the German customer service today. That does not mean that everything is bad about Germany and that doesn't no. also mean that German customer service is always bad. Of course. But I it happens. Al- <laughs> and I would also even add to that that disclaimer, we are also, I'm at least going to also complain about the American thing, or the American right. yeah, side of things too, because sometimes <laughs> I find it in the U.S. very annoying how often they... Mm-hmm. They come and check on you. And I have I have positives and negatives of both in my notes. Right. So just as a disclaimer, <laughs> it's not all negative in Germany. Um, and I'm looking forward to discussing it a little with you and in a little yeah. bit more detail. I'm assuming that you were with your international friends. Mm-hmm. Um, were they just as annoyed with it as you were or just as no, thrown off? They recognized that it was ridiculous, mm-hmm. um, but they weren't as frustrated as I was or so vocal about their frustration mm-hmm. uh, which I think in general is probably a pretty American characteristic is we especially in service settings will be very vocal about the way that we feel but I think it's because we're so used to being quote-unquote pampered yeah. um, oh, in, for sure. yeah. in the in the dining experience yeah so maybe kind of taking a step back I wanted to talk about the American dining experience and how I grew up uh, mm-hmm. going to restaurants. so And I feel like this is also going to be interesting for everyone who's ever going to visit the U.S. because to me, when I first came to the U.S. as a tourist, I was kind of lost in this American restaurant setting because it just works so differently as in Germany. And especially when you first walk in, you're like, wait, what's happening here? So I'll let you explain and maybe it can help people in the future. <laughs> yeah, and I'll try not to go into too much detail because I can get lost in the details sometimes. But In the U.S., you normally arrive, we're talking about kind of the sit-down restaurant experience. You normally arrive and there's like a little table at the front with a host or hostess that then will ask you how many people you are and they'll tell you how long you need to wait or bring you to your table, Um, which I've also experienced that here in Germany, but that's very, very standard in the U.S., whereas in Germany, it's, I would say, it's more common just to sit yourself yeah. or seat yeah. yourself. Um, but then you'll you'll get to your table and then your waiter will or server will come over and introduce themselves. You know their name normally. It's like, hi, I'm Josh. I'm going to be your, your server for the day. Um, can I get you started off with drinks? Or they'll sometimes even bring you water automatically and say, we'll start off with the waters. Is there anything else that you'd like to drink? Um, and it's just very like friendly and over the top friendly sometimes too. Then throughout your dining experience, uh, they'll come over probably a couple times before you even order just to check on you, make sure you have everything you need. If you have any questions they'll about the menu. They'll wa- often walk you through the menu. Yeah, I was just going to say that that is a thing that I wasn't quite as used to from German restaurants. Maybe some restaurants that have like a special thing like Handsome Glück or something mm-hmm. where you put together your burgers yourself. But even at those restaurants, that's not super standard I would say but in the US I feel like it's pretty common that they ask you have you been with us before have you do you have any questions about the menu Um, and then they'll like just explain like what they're kind of known for what their specialties are what Mm -hmm. most people get kind of like that and I feel like that's something that I didn't know from Germany yeah generally they try to have a conversation with you for the most part in the US it's a very short small talk conversation um, but they try to establish a connection with you yeah Um, 
Then they'll check on you very often. Then you'll order your food. Um, then they'll bring you your food, and normally, like, they'll drop off your food, give you about thirty seconds to take your first bite, and then they'll come back and say, "Is everything fine? How's everything tasting?" They check on you constantly.、Um, if you have、yeah. drinks, you get free refills when it comes to like sodas. Soda.、Um, obviously, if it's an alcoholic drink, that's a different story. You don't get free refills on that.、Yeah. But sometimes, even before you finish your drink, they'll come and top it off,、uh, so、right. give you more、um, without you even having asked. Yeah.、Um, Same with the water. Obviously, like that's a big thing. There's free water at American restaurants, like free refills, so you can drink as much water as you want. Whereas a German restaurant, if you want some water, you're gonna have to pay it, for, pay water in a bottle, and then you're gonna have to pay for each bottle usually afterwards. Yeah.、Um, so that's a big plus in the U.S. For sure. I mean, the water doesn't always taste the bit the best, but it's free. Yeah. Might have、uh, some chlorine taste to it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and of course, it'll be full of ice, ice cubes. So if you're、mm-hmm. from another country and you don't want that, you're gonna have to specifically ask for it without ice. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And then once you've had your food, what I what I just was thinking about in preparation for talking about this today too, is it's not uncommon, and I wonder if this has happened to you before, Feli, that the manager of the restaurant will come around and check on how you're doing as well to see if you're happy with the service.、Mm-hmm. Um, if there's anything they can do for you, sometimes the manager will do rounds around the restaurant just to check on all of the tables, and I've never seen that here in Germany. Yeah, I, I definitely, that's never happened to me in Germany before. I honestly wouldn't be able to tell you if that's happened to me in the U.S. because sometimes this is another thing about American restaurants. I don't even really know who's responsible for us.、So, like, of course, the person、mm. that like、um, introduces themselves, but then there's so many other servers that will maybe be the person that bring you food, the、yeah. host that seated you in the beginning. So sometimes I kind of lose track of like all the different people that have been serving on you in the U.S. So I, I can't remember a specific situation, but I feel like it's definitely possible that that's happened before. Yeah, and I just don't specifically remember it. So I would say in the U.S., you tend to get. Distracted from your conversation with the people that you're eating with, or they interrupt a lot. I would say yeah, too. Yeah. Yeah.、Um, but generally, kind of sticking back with the dining experience. Once you're done eating and everything's fine, they take your plates. Then they'll bring you your bill to your table,、um, and like sometimes even before you're done eating, they'll bring you your bill. Um, Basically, it, after they think sometimes that that was the last thing you were gonna order. Sometimes they ask you, "Would you like any dessert?" And then if you say no, that's basically their cue to ping, bring you the bill. But sometimes, if like that's maybe not a place where they offer dessert, or it's like obviously a lunch, I feel like as soon as they get the feeling that you're not gonna order anything after this one, they're just gonna put the bill right there. Sometimes with the last thing, like if they bring you another drink, like a second、mm-hmm. round of drinks, they'll be like, "Here's your drink, and here's the bill whenever you're ready."、Yeah. Kind of like and, that. They say whenever you're ready, but it's your signal of okay, come on, people, hurry up and get out, because there's always this pressure of trying to flip the table so they can get new customers in there to to get the most profits and the servers to also get their tips. So, talking about tips and paying, normally what will happen is they'll bring you a, your bill in a little folder, or like on a little tray or something, and then it, you'll put a credit card in there, and they'll take it away to their machine, and they. We'll run your card and do all of the payment details back away from the table, away from you, and then they bring you back your card and then normally your receipt. That you then on the receipt will have to write in how much tip you want to give, and then you sign,、um, and then you can leave. And that's kind of the process of payment and just the general meal experience in the U.S. Is there anything that you would add to that, Feli? 
I would just like for those of you who haven't been to the U.S. before, I would just explain it with the tipping a little bit better or just a little go a little bit more in detail that really the tipping happens after the payment, basically, yeah. even if you pay with cash, because I know a lot of especially German tourists are probably going to have cash on them when they're in the U.S. So um, you do the same thing. They give you the bill. You just put your cash in there that will cover the amount that is listed on the bill. And then they'll bring you back the change. And then if you want to tip them, which you should tip them about 20 percent in the U.S. because they don't mm -hmm. make a whole lot of money hourly um, you just leave the cash in there when you when you leave the table so like you just leave it on the table whereas in Germany you usually tell the waiter to their face how much you want to tip them but that's not how it works in the it's US too direct. With, yeah so with the credit card as you just said Josh they give you the credit card back you, you get this receipt and then you just fill it out you fill out the tip amount that you want to give the total amount and then you sign it and then that the receipt is what you'll leave at the table and then you'll just get up and leave Yeah. And they, you don't even have to watch them pick it up necessarily. I mean, you mm -hmm. can, um, but especially if maybe you're not tipping them very well, that's a situation that you can completely avoid in the U.S. You don't have to have that conf confrontation with the waiter where yeah. you basically tell them if they did a shitty job. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Or, and, maybe, yeah. and maybe kind of filling in just a few more details on that as well. If you're a bigger group at a restaurant, sometimes the, the server will automatically charge you tip in the mm -hmm. bill so make sure that you just read through uh the receipt that it says before signing and you understand if they've already added what they will call a gratuity charge which is the included tip so if they've already included a gratuity charge then you don't need to tip extra unless you want yeah. to all right should we maybe walk through the german dining experience and then kind of go back and talk about the things that we like better in each yeah. ones or the things that kind of annoy us in the other one do you want to yeah that sounds good how about you okay. uh, take us through the german experience All right. I mean, it's it's really going to be pretty short because in <laughs> Germany, you usually walk into a restaurant and unless there is specifically a sign that says something like wait to be seated, you just walk in and you just sit yourself wherever you want to. Any free table is going to be a uh, fair game. You can just pick your table. And especially if they even if they do want to sit you somewhere, you can always just ask what we'd rather sit outside or we'd rather sit by the window or you can voice those requests, which you can do in the U.S. too. But in the U.S., the whole table situation is a little bit more complicated because uh, each waiter and waitress, since the tipping is such a big deal for them, that's their main income. They have certain areas that are assigned to them. And then um, the restaurant is trying to make sure that the customers are spread out equally throughout all of these tables. Whereas in Germany, that's not usually the way it works. So nobody really cares which table you sit at. Um, so yeah, so you just walk in, you sit down. And then, as Josh said, it might take a while until someone comes to you and notices you. But basically, the way it works is that they are supposed to just notice that you just came in. And they're supposed to come up and uh, take, a, well, give you a menu and then come back and take an order. I feel like, as I said, they don't usually explain as much as they do in the U.S. Um, I feel like it's pretty common that they'll literally just give you the menu and walk away and then come back at some point and ask you if you want anything to drink. Um, if you need an English-speaking menu, you're going to have to make sure that you are proactive about it and ask about it because they're probably not going to check on you for a while. Um, and if you have any questions about the menu, you're also just going to have to ask them right away without them giving you the opportunity to ask. They're probably not going to check with you if, you, yeah. if you, yeah they're not but i will say ask you i will also say there my experience has been very good with people like if i ask for recommendations normally they're mm -hmm. very happy to give you recommendations of yeah what they like um and are happy to give feedback but it's not something that proactively happens exactly so like you you 
can't really wait for that to happen. You have to be the one asking about it. Um, and yes, yeah, sometimes it takes a while for them to come back. So uh, in Germany, it's not at all considered rude to flag your waiter down. Uh, that's something that you're probably going to have to do every now and then, and especially at the end of your meal. But even throughout that, you might have to do that, um, especially if they check on you once if you're ready to order and then you're not ready yet. They're probably not going to come back until you flag them down because they they want to give you that time and the space. But yeah, then you order, you get your drinks and meal. And I mean, one big difference is definitely that the drinks aren't, the water isn't free. There's no free refills in the drinks and everything's going to be much smaller than in the US. So yeah. the drink sizes are going to be smaller. <laughs> the portions are going to be smaller, um, which is also why I feel like getting a box and taking things home afterwards is just not as common, mm -hmm. even though it's become much more common, which is great, I think. But in the US, that's a pretty normal thing that you don't finish your meal at the restaurant and then afterwards they will pack it up for you or they will bring you a box to the table and you just pack it up yourself and you can take it home which is great because you're not wasting food. But in Germany, um, that's just like hasn't been a big thing for me growing up. And I think one of the main reasons for that is that the portions are usually much smaller. So not mm. as many people have major amounts of leftovers. You just usually finish your meal. Um, but yeah, and then at the end you pay. That's pretty much how it goes. Once they bring you the food, they won't check on you all the time. They will pretty much leave you alone. Sometimes it can happen that in the beginning, like you said, Josh, they check on you after you first get the food to just see if you need anything else. But mm -hmm. that doesn't always happen. So basically, they'll just leave you alone until you tell them that you need anything else. So if you need a second round of drinks or if you need any salt or Parmesan or something or you want to order dessert, you're probably going to have to tell them or wait until someone comes and takes the dishes off your table and then maybe you can tell them. But yeah, dining in, uh, I feel like in Europe in general which includes Germany, is kind of more of a um, social experience where you're supposed to be there with your company, with your friends or your family or whoever you're with or your date. And they want to make sure that you have a nice atmosphere and they don't bother you too much mm -hmm. throughout your conversations. Um, so then when you're done with your meal, if you're American, don't expect them to drop off the bill at some point. You might be sitting there for hours waiting because it's pretty normal in German restaurants to sit there for a long time, several hours often. If it's a dinner, you might sit there until the restaurant closes. So if you're ready to pay, you're going to have to flag them down and tell them that you want to pay. Um, and then the way it works is that you'll pay at the table. So if you pay cash, you're just going to give them the cash. And then you're going to have to kind of do the math a little bit in your head. Um, it's common in Germany to give about 10% tip, even though I feel like in different regions of Germany, people do it a little bit differently. But at least in Munich, I always grew up giving 10% tips, um, Trinkgeld, or tipping 10%. That was a very mm -hmm. German way of phrasing that. Um, so then the way you do it is kind of, let's say your meal was 25 euros, then you go, okay, 10% of 25 is like two euros 50. And then it's very common to kind of round it up to the next like full amount so then maybe you would say kind of depending on how good the service was maybe you would say 27 or 28 euros and then you just tell them to their face so maybe you'll give them like 30 euros in their hand and you'll be like let's make it 27 and then they'll give you the change for to make it 27 and then that's how they get tipped so you basically tell them to their face how much you're tipping them and it's the same way with card uh, if you pay with a card you will have to tell them at first and be aware it might not be possible at every restaurant to pay with a card. It's 
become much more common though, which is good. So you have to tell them, then they'll bring the little device to your table. They'll put your card in. You have to tell them also um, how much tip you want to give them so that they can put that um, amount into the credit card machine. And then that's the amount that it'll book off your credit card. If you want to, of course, you can just pay the regular amount with your card and then give them some extra tip in cash if you want to. But that's usually how it works. And then you just get up and leave. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good end to the experience. Get up and leave. Then then you are uh, free to leave. Yeah. Yeah. And what you said earlier about the coffee, um, I think this is an Italian thing that's kind of normal in Germany, too, um, especially at Italian restaurants, but at other restaurants, too, is that after your meal, you can always order an espresso or a cappuccino or some kind of coffee. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Which I think to some Americans is kind of odd. Yeah. Especially at night. mm -hmm. Yeah. That's not something that happens quite as often in the U.S., I would say, that after a meal. I don't know. It depends. If you're having dessert, then it's probably common to have coffee with it as well. But um, but yeah, I feel like that's much more common here in my experience, at least. Yeah. But no, I I would agree with everything that you said. And that's probably exactly how I would describe it down to it. I have. Yeah. One more thing. Um, If you're with a group and you don't all pay together, you want to split up the bill um, that actually I think. I don't know if I would say it works much better in the U.S., but I think it's more convenient in the U.S. because in the U.S., usually if you say we're going to split the bill, um, they'll actually just bring you two different bills or three or however mm-hmm. many different bills. And they might check with you again who had what. But in Germany, if you do that, it'll be a whole long process and chaotic, depending on how many people you are. If it's just two people, it'll be easy. If it's a group of 10 and everyone pays by themselves, it'll be complicated because the waiter is going to come to your table with their little notepad and they're going to do the math at the table. So they're going to ask each and every person, what did you have? What did you have? They're going to write it up on their little notepad and then mm-hmm. do the math and be like, okay, I'm getting this and this much from you, this and this much from you. Um, and yeah, that usually takes a while. So that's something that I feel like is much more convenient in the U.S. And I think that's a good Übergang uh, transfer for us to the topic that we just right. want to talk about. What do we think are the positives and what are the negatives of both um, yeah. both experiences? Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, maybe I can start with just kind of talking about the U.S. and what I like about it and what I don't like about right. it. Um, I think I've mentioned a lot of what I like about it as far as feeling like you kind of have a fun conversation with your waiter. That's part of mm-hmm. the experience is um, if if your waiter is nice and funny and, and makes you feel comfortable and has, you have a nice time with them, then the chances of you giving them a better tip are higher. And I kind of like... I don't know. I just like to be able to have a little bit of small talk. My brother-in-law always asks, I'm like, oh, so how long have you been working here? How do you like it? Like goes into small talk with them, which is just very, very American. Um, But for me, that's kind of part of the experience. So it's fun that way. Um, What I also like about it is the efficiency um, that I don't feel like I constantly have to wave people down, that I feel like people are taking care of me um, throughout the experience. And I think that's a huge positive. Um, Like you mentioned also with the way that things are paid for as far as being able to easily split a check, that's something that I I, I enjoy about the U.S. Maybe looking at some of the negatives of the U.S., although I like feeling taken care of, it can be a lot sometimes. Um, Like especially, I don't know, I feel like sometimes serious conversations can take place over a meal. And if you're in the middle of a serious conversation and then a really happy person comes over and it's like, oh, is, how's everything? Is it great? What can I do for you? It just kind of 
ruins the flow of your conversation and it feels like a bit of an intrusion on the experience that you're having with your company that you're at a, at the restaurant with. And I think that can be really annoying. Um, and it frustrates me sometimes how often they check in. Like check in often, but that's fine. The Goldilocks zone of the perfect balance between checking in often and leaving me alone um, yeah. so I can enjoy my experience with the people I'm there with. I think I also don't like in the U.S. that sometimes you can feel really rushed through the experience, um, that you can feel the pressure that, okay, you've gotten your food, you're not going to order anything else. I feel this pressure that I need to leave now, um, that I'm no longer welcome. I think also they're very quick to take plates away and start clearing the table before everyone is done. And it just that adds to the, the pressure of the experience of, okay, you guys ate, you're here to eat, please leave. Um, yeah. I don't like that. I also am not the biggest fan of the tipping um, culture in the U.S. I think it would be more fair. I would be willing to pay more for my meal if it meant that I didn't have to tip and that these people also were having a, a more livable wage that they were being paid. I know that's that can be kind of difficult in the U.S. because people are used to having to work for their tips. So that's why I think it's also unbalanced as far or sometimes too much friendliness Mm. or too much involvement in the experience because there's that expectation that they do that. That way they get their tips. Um, but I would be willing to pay more for my meal if it meant that I didn't have to tip as much and that we were a little bit more on a... <laughs> well, I'm speaking very German. I was going to say on, on eye level, but um, uh, how would we say that in English? I don't know. As, as if we were more peers rather than like there being mm-hmm. this power dynamic between you mm-hmm. being the customer and you be and the server being there to take care of you. Right. Um, that's the way I view the American experience. Kind of what I like and dislike about the German experience is all of the opposites of what I just explained. So what I like about the German experience is that it's very relaxed, um, that you can really enjoy your time there with your people that you're not constantly being interrupted, that the table is yours. Um, I mean, I have experienced here in Germany once where we weren't going to order another round and it was really, really busy. And they said, mm-hmm. if you guys aren't going to order another round, maybe you could consider either having another one or slowly m- making your way out so that we because right. we have a really long line. Um, but generally, that, that doesn't happen often. Um, so I enjoy the, the specialness of a German restaurant of... It's kind of a little bit more of a sacred experience. Mm-hmm. I feel like the people are also very knowledgeable if you ask questions um, that it is their job and they do take it seriously. And yeah, I think there are a lot of cool restaurants in, in Germany that I've been able to experience. Um, and there aren't as many chains in Germany as there are in the US, and at least in my experience. Yeah. I know there are still quite a few chains, but that's something that I really like is not... I, I hate Applebee's, Chili's, um, all of Fridays, all of these chain restaurants that there are in the U.S., Olive Garden, mm-hmm. it just feels kind of dirty and quick. And I don't know, there's not, not like the specialness about it that I get with a lot of the German restaurants that I have. Yeah. So that's what I really enjoy about the German experience. What I dislike about it is the lack of attention to the guests sometimes that I don't like have to, I don't like constantly having to be proactive with my server I would appreciate them just check, like walking by and checking to see if I need something. Like they don't yeah. even have to have to ask me, but just kind of making just eye contact close with by, us. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I feel like sometimes they just walk off and then we'll leave you forever. Yeah, and, and then, like purposefully like look in the other direction exactly. the whole time. Yeah. Sometimes it comes off as arrogance of like, I'm the server and I'll do what I want and I'll be with you whenever I want to be. Right. Um, and that can be frustrating. That's probably my biggest complaint is the lack of service. It's not the lack of small talk with with the servers. It's the lack of like them being attentive to you mm-hmm. and really just making sure that you are getting everything that you need. Like if I ask for a menu to order coffee afterwards, that means I'd like a coffee. So that means after you give me the menu, don't wait 15 minutes to come back and ask if I want a coffee. Those type of things I feel like can be forgotten in the German experience oftentimes, and that can be really, really frustrating for me. So yeah, that's probably the best way that I would describe yeah. the, my feelings towards both sim, uh, systems, both positive and negative. How do you see it, Feely? All right. I mean, pretty much I agree with almost everything you said. Um, I think overall, if I were to think of an American restaurant experience and a German restaurant experience, I personally prefer the German restaurant experience, mm. even though I know, guys, yes, I have ex- uh, complained about German customer service quite a lot. And I actually earlier when you mentioned your experience, I realized that I did have a pretty bad experience over Easter when I was home in Munich too. Uh, me and my friend Vero went just for like a drink, like a coffee on a Sunday. It was like late formatak so like it was around around like noon but it was a sunday so everyone was kind of brunching and we just wanted to like have a coffee like a chai latte something like that and it was this really crowded restaurant by the university zeitgeist um and we got a table which was great we had That's a really nice table experience was too. oh really are you kidding me <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, then maybe they have a problem with that. But I really like the restaurant. I like the restaurant too. And the thing is, I had been there kind of a lot when I still went to university in Munich. Um, and I feel like it never used to be that bad. But we went there and, as I said, it was really crowded. And we ended up waiting for a drink. And I'm not lying. For an hour. Are you the thing is, we hadn't really caught up. Like we had just seen each other, so we didn't really notice. We didn't really check out with him because we were just sitting there talking, and we didn't. We were like, "Wait, it's been like half an hour. Where's our drink?" So what happened was like they took our order kind of soon, and then I guess it got lost, and then um, we didn't notice, and then we had to flag someone down. After once we finally noticed, we were like, "Um, excuse me, we're missing our drinks," and then they were like, "Oh yeah, one second, and then it, it took another. 20 minutes or so and then they brought us the wrong drinks and then oh. <laughs> at that point I was like you know what we're probably about to go so just it's fine I'll just drink this I, I'm okay because I wasn't gonna wait for another 15 minutes because I didn't even have that much time left that was actually the day that we recorded mm. a podcast so I had to get home to be there in time to, for you oh, uh, to get there and I was like no, you know what it's fine <laughs> I'll just drink this <laughs> um, but I mean I've had plenty plenty of bad customer service experiences at German restaurants where people will literally just be like, if you ask for something special, like if you can exchange an ingredient on the dish or if you just ask if the kitchen can do something for you because you're vegetarian or something, um, they'll sometimes be like very unfriendly about it and be like, yeah, I'll, I'll check or no, we can't do that with like, you know, kind of this very impolite face or where it's almost like, they make it seem like you want something from them and you're bothering them, even though really it's their job to serve you. And that's really the main thing that I don't like about the German restaurant experience. And of course, that doesn't always happen, but it's just, it happens kind of a lot, especially if you do have any special requests. And 
I had to get used to this whole thing in the U.S. where suddenly they just like serve you and do all these things for you. And if you ask for anything special, they're going to be like, yeah, of course. Oh, my God, I can check with the cook. They, they go and do everything they can to make sure that you're happy, which we talked about can be a little too much sometimes even. Mm -hmm. But to me, I felt so bad whenever they, they did that because I was kind of used to that like don't bother them too much mm. attitude like i don't i don't want to be too much of an um what's the word of a burden yeah. or um yeah so that's kind of the the attitude that i had from germany and i think that's a little weird that i had that from germany because you're still the customer at a german restaurant you shouldn't really feel like that um mm -hmm. maybe that's my problem too i'm not saying that you know everyone feels like that but Anyway, that is really the only thing that kind of annoys me. Other than that, I would say that I prefer the restaurant experience in Germany because I really like picking my own table. Uh, sometimes in the mm -hmm. U.S., I will say, oh, I'd rather sit there because they just like they'll see you somewhere. And yeah. sometimes it's like the most annoying table in the middle of the whole room, totally not comfortable or totally not gemütlich. Yeah. And I just feel like the German restaurant experience to me is often so much more gemütlich, so like cozy kind of. Yeah. Um, and sometimes in the U.S. when I do ask if I can get a different table, it's complicated and then they or they can't make it happen or you, I can tell that it's a problem. And yeah, so I, I like picking mm -hmm. my own table in Germany. Um, and then I just like I feel like German restaurant visits are overall more fancy mm -hmm. from the decor, the lighting. I feel like a lot of American restaurants have kind of cheap decor, uncomfortable chairs, yeah. um, very weird lighting, sometimes the neon lighting. Um, not all restaurants, of course, but even like nicer restaurants sometimes have the ugly lighting, which I don't understand. Um, and then just like the, the silverware and like the dishes. So for example, at even nicer American restaurants, if you get, um, let's say, a salad dressing or little sauce, like condiments, it's often served in little plastic yeah. cup. Um, or even at some restaurants, you'll get plastic um, silverware yeah. uh, cutlery. So like... I don't like that about the experience in the US because I'm, I'm at a restaurant. I don't want to eat with a plastic fork. I want to have my regular fork. Yeah. Um, so that's just something that I feel like in, at German restaurants, overall, everything's a little bit more high class, even at restaurants that are just a normal price. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah. And then I personally prefer the not being bothered too much thing from Germany. But I would, as you said, I would like for them to at least be around sometimes because I feel like usually it's possible to flag them down. But I've also definitely had those experiences where they're just nowhere to be found and you wait forever. And maybe you have to catch a, an U-Bahn, like a subway or something. Yeah. And they're just not there to bring you your check. So um, that can definitely be annoying. But yeah, I would say that overall, um, I would prefer the German one um, and the American overly friendly um, manner definitely annoyed me in the beginning. Like, I think it annoys a lot of Germans when they first come yeah. to the U.S. It just feels a little fake to us. It feels a little like, you don't care about my story. You don't care about where I'm from. I know you just want your tips, so, like, just drop it because I'm here with people that I actually want to talk to, so just let me talk to them. That's kind of, I feel like, the attitude that I had in the beginning about this. And over time, I started to actually like it, like you said. I now appreciate having a nice little chit-chat with the waiter. Not always, but I feel like if you kind of make it clear that you don't want to talk too much, they'll usually pick up on it, too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've kind of... Nowadays, if I could make a restaurant, I would make it a mix of like a lot of the German things with a few of the American customer mm -hmm. service in there. I also usually think that um, German food quality overall is better. So mm -hmm. I just usually enjoy the food more in Germany. One thing, though, that 
I did not expect at all from the U.S., I wasn't aware of this, is that even at non-fast food places, the food is just served really, really quickly at American yeah. restaurants. Mm-hmm. And in Germany, be prepared that you might wait for like maybe up to an hour. That's <laughs> definitely happened to me before several times in my life that like it'll take an hour for the food to come. If you go to high-end dining in the U.S., it'll still happen. Everything does move pretty quickly still. Um, yeah, but yeah. you'll still get like a good experience. But generally, restaurants are definitely more high turnover. Let's get you in and out. Exactly. Like, yeah, kind of. I think I've businesses said Businesses rather than experience. Yeah, exactly. I've said this uh, several times in other videos of mine before. I feel like in the U.S., restaurants in general are more places where you go to eat. Whereas in Germany, you also go there to eat, but you don't go there just because you're hungry. You go there for a certain occasion. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's usually you can tell that difference in the way that they treat you also the way that they turn over the tables as you said they're like as soon as you're done they feel like okay you're you're done eating now so like you're gonna go because this is a restaurant this is a place where you eat whereas in germany a restaurant is a place where you'll also hang out you'll maybe hang out for another hour maybe order a second glass of wine after a long time or you wait until you're hungry again and then order dessert um so yeah that's i think a pretty big difference there is the why you go to the restaurant and I when I go to a restaurant with someone here even if it's a meeting a friend or even a business meeting or something like that I usually I didn't know this in the beginning but I now know that I can expect um, for me to be out of there within an hour or an hour and a half I'm not going to be there for much longer than an hour and a half Um, so yeah yeah I I would just add one one last thing and I think we're probably good for for this episode but I just was going to say we're talking obviously in big terms. So if you go to yeah. fine dining in the U.S., you'll find restaurants that you get a very similar experience, but with very more the American customer service style. Right. Um, yeah. But if you go to like a fancy restaurant for an occasion, you're not going to be rushed out of there. Um, and you can have those experiences of ordering a second round or whatever it may be. But right. restaurants in general, I feel like even if you go to smaller restaurants that aren't necessarily fine dining in Germany, you get more of that experiential yeah. service. Yeah. Uh, but I just wanted to add that in, in the end as well. Right. It, d- it does exist in the U.S. as well. And of course, there's also places in Germany that are more kind of like a fast food style restaurant where mm-hmm. the service isn't going to be as nice or where you also get plastic silverware maybe. But we're talking about like just your your normal restaurant like not the super high not the super low but kind of like the the middle class one that we can afford (laughs) exactly (laughs) exactly um yeah i think we summarized that pretty well i hope i hope that we could help you guys with like how to act if you go to a restaurant in germany versus the u.s um and yeah i actually have to wrap it up pretty quickly here because my contractors are about to start working again they just texted me and asked if i was done yet (laughs) um so yeah it's gonna get loud here in a second thank you guys so much for watching and for listening today if you want to support us make sure to subscribe on youtube um, or follow us on apple Podcasts or spotify and uh, we're not even gonna say all of our the ways that you can support us and reach out to us this way we're just gonna put it all in the show notes and in the description box below and probably on the screen but we are on Instagram for example and we are on Patreon where you can find us Um, but yeah we will be back in two weeks with a new episode and then we'll see if your background will have changed I hope mine will have changed because I really hope that in two weeks I'll have my closet back (laughs) that's motivation for me to get stuff done we'll see if it actually happens though but until then uh, thanks for listening and we will see you in two weeks tschüss ciao